You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 74. Hey guys, so this episode this week is all about postpartum, and it's it kind of was supposed to be another episode, and then it kind of turned into an episode about postpartum anxiety and my experience with my postpartum anxiety. So if you saw my post today, or if you're listening to this before you see my post today, um, I shared something really vulnerable <laughs> in um, in my feed. I've shared my experience with postpartum anxiety when I had it with Walter the first time in my Instagram story. I shared it probably when Rylan was, I don't know, two months old, something like that. And I talked about how with Walter... I was just always really, really worried about him. Like, I was always worried that he was going to die. I was always worried that he was going to hit his head in a weird way and I was going to have to go to the hospital with him. And, you know, then they were going to find out he has cancer or then this is going to happen. It's like I would completely spiral. And it got bad to the point where I just was very, very controlling over a lot of things with him because I was just really, really worried about him in a not so healthy way. And eventually, you know, he got older and I stopped being as worried, (laughs) but it kind of never really completely completely went away. Um, Anxiety is something that I've dealt with my whole life. And motherhood uh, brings out the best in (laughs) you. And it certainly brought out my anxiety when I was um, postpartum with Walter. So I had that experience with Walter. And then I got pregnant with Ryland. And I knew that I had this experience and I wanted to do as many things as I could to not have that happen again. Okay. I had never been on medication before for anxiety. Um, And so what I did was during my prenatal care, during my pregnancy, I did the Pebble Complete Care Program, which unfortunately is not available anymore. But I did that program, which basically is like a postpartum prep program. Um, it's it's really great. And Tanya, who I'm talking with today, uh, she does she has similar services that she does individually, and she's going to talk about that today too. But it basically was like a program, and I worked with Tanya through my pregnancy and through my postpartum to really prep for postpartum and talk to her throughout my whole postpartum, like have weekly visits. And she was very aware that I had this experience the first time with Walter going into this next time, trying not to have the same, the same thing happen. Okay. So long story short, um, I was fine. I mean, I shared in my, like I said, I shared in my Instagram story when Rylan was about two months old that I had this experience with Walter the first time and now I'm doing great mentally and it's, I don't worry about him barely at all. And it's just so great. And I was being very truthful at that time. There was nothing really wrong at two, three, you know, even four months postpartum. Everything was really going great. And then something kind of (laughs) changed. So I, you know, stopped talking to Tanya that 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 care kind of stopped at, you know, three ish months. And I went back to work more. And I, we started, you know, we're actually getting ready to move next week, but we started thinking about moving and I just had more stuff going on in my life. And one thing that I did throughout the whole time, and honestly, for a couple years now is I've been seeing um, my therapist and Brian and I actually see a therapist together, like a, like a couple's therapist. And we just do check-ins and we see her about once a month. And I remember talking to my individual therapist a couple weeks before I completely spiraled and saying, I feel like, I feel like I'm doing okay, but I'm just, I'm yelling a lot at my family and I just always feel really overwhelmed. And I'm like, I'm trying to do my meditation every day. I'm trying to do this, but I just, I feel like I'm going to spiral. I feel like I'm going to spiral. So I was trying to put stuff into place like, okay, let me try and exercise a little bit more. Let me try and eat a little bit more. And it's like nothing was really helping. I mean, I was in therapy once a week talking to my individual therapist. And then, like I said, once a month I was going, we were talking to our couples counselor. 
And I remember really the thing that set it off was we had a session with our couples counselor and Brian said, I feel like Liesl is not my Liesl. Like I know her. She, there is something really, really off. He's like, she was yelling at like Rylan the other day, like in the crib. I, and I remember this, I was, I think, I, I think I was yelling at him to go to sleep and just completely like out of my mind. And I wasn't shaking him or anything like that. It wasn't like that. I just was like, go to, like, like yelling. And he said that to the couple's counselor and she was like, okay. Um, and then he started to talk, to talk about how sometimes I would just kind of like walk in circles or just be very, that's the best way I can describe it is I would just kind of like circle it, like literally walk in circles and just be like, I have to do this, I have to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And he said a few other things and it just kind of hit me that like, okay, yeah, this, like, it's not just stress, like something, something's wrong, like something's going on and something's wrong. And then she started to ask me questions and I was like, yeah, um, yeah, some days I feel like I'm so overwhelmed with life that I can't, if I have to go to the bathroom I feel like I can't even stop and go to the bathroom. Like I, I know I feel like I have to go to the bathroom, but it's like an extra thing that I have to do. And I'm like stressed out about going to the bathroom. And the same thing would happen with like eating lunch, like eating lunch would be stressful and that I wouldn't eat lunch until three or four in the afternoon because I'm like, oh, it's just another thing that I have to do and blah, blah, blah. And Rylan, I got to take care of Rylan. I got to do this. I got to do that. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah, then I just kind of realized that, okay, this is this is not normal. So she said, Liesl, have you ever thought about, t- you know, taking some medication for this? And I was like, yeah, I have, but I've always kind of want, wanted to avoid it because, you know, I feel like I can manage my anxiety with exercise and eating healthy and doing my meditations and doing the things that I you know, having my toolbox and going to therapy and just all the things and never really felt like I need medication. And she was like, are those things helping right now? I said, no. She was like, maybe it's time to think about, you know, some medication. She shared with me that she was at a point in her life in a similar point, And she's a mom. She shared with me that she was in a, at a similar point in her life. Um, where it was literally almost the same thing where she just ye- was like yelling at her child over something that was not normal to be yelling at them about. And she started on some medication and she said it just, she's like, it completely changed my life. I feel like I'm a better mom. I feel like I'm a better wife. I feel like I'm a better everything. And so I listened to her and I said, okay, I'll give it, I'll give it a shot. So the next day I called my doctor and I got in to see my doctor and he was great. You know, he listened to me and he said, okay, let's start you on, you know, some low dose, a low dose SSRI. And then the next few weeks were pretty rough. (laughs) I started that medication and I still had a lot of days where I just, the best way I can describe it is I just was literally everything I would look at in my room or on my desk or in the car or anywhere, um, I would see it as like little tiny individual tasks and it would completely overwhelm me to the point where I felt like paralyzed, like I couldn't even do anything. I remember texting one of my friends and, you know, she knew it was going on and being like, I feel like I can't even text you right now. Like I, I, I'm having trouble, like, like, texting you. And I, I remember I would, I was like in the shower one time and I was like, I, I don't even like, I have to like walk myself and talk myself through like, okay, okay. Pick up the shampoo, put the shampoo in your hand. It's like, it was the weirdest thing. And it did not feel, I mean, I felt paralyzed. I had to, there was one day I was supposed to work at the hospital and I, and I had to call out of the hospital because I, I just felt like I was, 
I couldn't do anything. I mean, I, I almost, you know, you feel like you can't take care of your children. You can't take care of yourself. And so this was a couple weeks. Um, and like I said, I would have, it wasn't every single day, every single hour where it was like this, but it was kind of like I was on a roller coaster. And Brian said the same thing. He was like, I, I feel like I'm a, on a roller coaster. <laughs> I was like, well, if you feel like you're on a roller coaster, uh, imagine how I feel. So yeah, it was a couple, couple weeks, a few weeks um, of it almost getting worse um, before it got better. And then I remember one day after being on the medication for two or three weeks, I think it was about three weeks when it finally started to kick in. And every single day before that, it would be a battle to get a, get out of the house. I would always yell, always yell every morning, um, get, you know, get shit, have to do this. Blah, blah, blah. It would just always feel chaotic. And once I would get there or get to wherever I would want to be, it would be okay. I don't settle down, but like literally every single morning, it didn't matter what we were doing. If we were, if I was going to work or I was taking Walter to school, or if I was just staying home, it just every single morning when I woke up, it just felt like that. And then one day, about three weeks later, after I started this medication, I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't yell that morning. And I remember like recognizing that, like, oh, wow, I didn't yell this morning. That's, that's great. That's weird, but okay. Like, that's cool. And then it was literally every single day since that day, I haven't yelled in the morning to get out of the house and it feels great. So yeah, I have been on this medication now for uh, a couple months now. And honestly, it's changed my whole life. And I'm not sharing this with you to say everybody needs to be on medication. This, you know, this is like, this is everybody's path. But if this just helps you, if you're feeling the same way, um, and you're a little bit, maybe you're just a little bit like, I got it under control. I'm a little bit stressed out, but I got it under control. That was me. Um, and I thought I had it under control and I did not have it under control at all. <laughs> and I spiraled. So yeah, just kind of sharing my story with you. This episode, this was a long intro, <laughs> but this episode, um, it's kind of a weird episode because we start off, you'll hear, we start off, um, Tanya and I kind of talked about my experience a little bit and I go into a little bit more detail with her too. We kind of talked about my experience and then we talk about what we were actually going to talk about in the episode. Um, so when this episode starts, it, it's a little bit of a sidestep. Um, but I think this is a really important episode and yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy to share it with you guys and I'm really happy to be on here too, just to be, just to be candid and honest with you guys that, yeah, I was really struggling. And that also goes to show you that, I mean, I feel like I hit it pretty darn well, right? I mean, most people, um, when they think of me or like when they look at my page or when they see my stories, like you probably wouldn't have known at all that I was going through what I was going through. So check on your friends <laughs> who you think that are doing well uh, they might not be doing so well. <laughs> so check on your friends who have just had babies. Um, that shit is hard. It's real hard. <laughs> but yeah, thank God for this medication. I swear, like it's, like I said, has changed my life. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. umbilical cord care, tummy time, feeding, diapers. Ah, your newborn baby isn't going to come with a manual, but I created Newborn Basics to be the closest thing possible. Mama, I want to help you transition into motherhood with confidence and ease. Prepare for the newborn days before you're due. 
head over to mommylabornurse.com slash newborn basics to learn more. So I'll tell you um, one thing that I don't know if I, I want to do a whole episode on it, but I don't know if it'll fit in with this episode, but um, definitely on some medication now for anxiety. Did that creep up after we finished then? Yes, it did. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I think it was just a culmination. I'm moving in the next month. So like that piece of just it. to a new okay. house or to a new area or to what? a new house to a new house okay. Okay. it's been a long time coming like mm-hmm. we we've been looking and like it's you know I I've known that I've wanted to move for a while but mm-hmm. that is a big stressor obviously and just like getting prepared for that but I started to catch myself like literally every single day I would either yell at my kids or yell at my husband and I would feel so overwhelmed with every little thing in my life. And I was like, what is going on? So it got to a point where it's like, I would have, I would have good days and bad days, but like my bad days would be like, I would feel overwhelmed to the point and I'm past it now. Like it's been, I've been on medication now for a good five or six weeks. And it's like, I'm like, oh wow, I should have been on this since I was pregnant or, you know, like postpartum with Walter, like, wow, this is like a noticeable difference in just the way my Mm. brain feels. Um, But yeah, it got so bad to the point where I would have days where I'm like, overwhelmed to the point of like, I see every little thing in my house or on my desk or like anything as a task. And it would like overwhelm me to the point of like, I know I have to eat lunch today and that feels like an overwhelming task or like I feel like I have to go to the bathroom and that is a task that I have to do. Mm. And I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. Like, this is not normal. So I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is like, (laughs) I'm like, this is not good. Um, So it's like it got to the point where it was like so bad like that. And I talked to my therapist about it. I've been seeing my my own therapist for a while. Um, and it, it, you know, I, I've had seen her probably every two weeks and we were doing check-ins and I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm okay, but I feel like I'm probably going to crash and burn at some point, but I just, I still, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm just kind of stressed out. You know, I got a lot Mm -hmm. going on and then it was probably like within that two week period that it all kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and we saw our marriage counselor, um, in that two weeks and Brian mentioned, he was like, there's something noticeably different with Liesl and just like, what the heck is going on? I feel like, I feel like Mm -hmm. he, he said, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you feel like you're on a roller coaster. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm on a roller coaster. Like what the hell are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. So my, my lovely marriage therapist was like, Liesl, where, you know, are you, opposed to going on medication like you know have you have we ever like explored that and I was like well yeah I try to do everything that I can not to be on it he was like she was like why is that like why don't why don't you just give it a shot you know and I was like you're right there is this huge stigma and like it's Mm -hmm. just in my head that I shouldn't be taking medication because I should be able to do my normal sort of exercise and eating that but it's like I can't even do that sort of stuff so I need something to you know, have myself be able to do the things that normally help. And that's the thing. Everyone has like, everyone has a different breaking point and everyone has a different threshold for how badly they want to avoid or not medication. And you have to tiptoe up against that in your own journey, in your own path. And it doesn't matter how many people are checking on you. You're going to do better when you've got a team who are checking on you. But at the end of the day, if all your team is saying to you is, "Mm, I think you need some medications. You're like, right? Like that's, that's problematic. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So you, you tiptoed up to it at the pace that you needed to tiptoe up to it. But everyone says what you said. Oh, now I see I could have done this before and got benefit, but you got there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you are happy to talk about this because that's part of the reason that I evolved the program from being a fourth trimester program to being a monthly subscription program, because I want to put the power back in your hands about when to graduate from the program. Yes, exactly. And I think I even said that. 
I think I even said that at the end mm-hmm. when I finished it. I was like, I wish we could just, I mean, I know, you, you know, you're always there. I can always text you because I know you, but you know, it's to the, it's, it's a point of like, where I'm like, yeah, can we just, can I always have like somebody bringing me meals and like somebody checking up on me this way and somebody this, that, and the other. So I like that you consciously recognize that for yourself in your own program that like, hey, you know what, this doesn't need to be like a hard stop. It needs to be, you know, very like circumstantial for every single person. Yeah, it took seeing a lot of clients before I got there because yeah. you start yeah. at point A, right? And point A is people need more support during the fourth trimester. Yeah. But I had to get feedback from a number of people. And what I knew first was that as much as a lot of great stuff happens in that final visit, there was always an edge of something awkward because neither of us usually wanted it to be over. I sensed this isn't over from a healthcare standpoint. My patient or client sensed that they there was no finite moment that was making them feel ready. Yeah. And then I had to read surveys and feedback and it was so consistent, the desire yeah. for this not to end. Yeah. And yet when it ended, no matter how many people I said, I'm still here, it's so much harder to decide when to seek additional support than it is to just show up for what you've already invested in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. And now coming away from it, like like I said, I should have been doing this a long time ago, but it's weird too. I want to touch on like what the difference in my head now being on medication. Like I before – like I said, felt like I was on a roller coaster of emotions and just would snap at the littlest little thing. Like I'm trying to get my key into the door and it's not working. And I'm like, you know, like get really, really like upset about like little things that you don't need to get upset about. And every single morning, I remember, even if I wasn't going somewhere, it would feel chaotic. It would feel like, I have to, you know, I'm trying to get out the door. I don't really have a time constraint, but like, I feel like I'm on this time constraint of like getting out the door. And I just feel like everybody's just, you know, I'm like, Walter, put your shoes on, you know, Brian, do this, pack the lunch. It's like, it just feels, I have to put on, you know, this, my makeup, or I have to like put my, it just feels like everything's like high stress. And then one morning it didn't feel, I woke up and I, it didn't feel like that anymore. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. And literally ever since then, every morning I've woken up and it's not been stressful. And I'm just like, okay, let's get out of the door. Let's put the shoes on. Let's do, you know, you just feel not as like high and low and high and low. It's like, okay, we're on like, like a kid roller coaster. I can do this. We can coast. Like I have, I feel like I have control over my emotions. Like I felt like I had absolutely no control over my emotions before. And it was taking, you know, it was affecting my whole family and it was hard. And I, I mean, I'm good now. I'm like, great, but it was, yeah. And I just felt like I couldn't focus on anything either. It's like, I would try and sit down and I'm like, I feel like I can't even text my, cause I'm like, it was, it was not so fun, but I'm much better now. (laughs) Well, what's interesting about what you're saying, right. Is that there is this continuum that I think we as healthcare providers struggle to find the language for sometimes to describe the ways in which postpartum depression and anxiety sometimes look different from what we think in the general population. And so I was like jotting thoughts down as you were talking, because of course being part of your process makes it all feel so much more personal to me. And I got like waves of goosebumps listening to you because I just want to give you like a big old hug um, for figuring all this out. But (laughs) big virtual (laughs) hug here. Um, But so what I wrote down was short fuse, right? I was thinking, listening to you talk, and I was like, that's the short fuse. What's on the other side of this long path? It's rage. And we're trying to get the word out there that rage is something that's more common when we're talking about postpartum depression and anxiety. So on one end of the spectrum is something that feels minute in the form of something we might call a short fuse. It's a continuum all the way to something more identifiable as, as rage. And the other thing that in listening to you came up for me, and I'm not sure this is, you know, what you're saying or what your diagnosis is. I'm not a therapist, but 
it, it just reminded me of how closely related anxiety and OCD are. And yep. Yep. yeah, right. And <laughs> oh, yeah, and my I, therapist, we've already been through that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, some of what you say is a little atypical of what we stereotype OCD is looking like. But yeah. the repetitive nature of all those tasks feeling the way they felt spoke yeah. to me on that level. And I think that's another area where, you know, we can, and I fall into this category too, I think, never been diagnosed, but I'm going to diagnose myself on your show. <laughs> I think that my brand of type A yeah. is on the spectrum somewhere towards anxiety that looks a little like OCD, right? Like I am so task oriented in my life and I got this way when I became a mother, yeah. right? And I can blame so many things on how I got to be this way. I was a young single mom. I was in school. I had so much to do. I had to be on top of it. But where is that line? And I think we in, as humans desire clarity. And so many of these things are so freaking unclear. Yeah. And that's why you have to walk your path and figure out where you tiptoe up against therapy, medications, and other types of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I feel like we're, uh, I, I was, I see one of my therapists like later today, and I feel like w- I'm, I was in crisis and I'm like, okay, I need like once or twice a week therapy. And now I'm like ready to be like, okay, I think we can back down to like the every other week that I was going through. It feels like I'm getting back into like my swing of things and I can manage things. But yeah, that's just it. And you mentioned OCD too. And that very much is something that my therapist brought up because I have the thoughts. The medication has helped with these thoughts too. Um, But I brought these these kinds of thoughts up to her initially when I was going through crisis of like, I'll have thoughts of if I, you know, I'm throwing something on the ground, I'm I'm throwing something away in the trash and like it, you know, it lands on the ground or something. I'm like, I have to pick that up or my child's going to die in the middle of the night or like something crazy like that. That mm-hmm. I will think of. And that's like a weird example, but it's like these weird, she, she explained it like, okay, you have um, thought, okay, and action and the thought and action don't correlate. Okay. So like, ideally, if you are throwing something in the trash and it hits the ground, you want to pick it up because you want to pick it up and throw it in the trash because it's on the ground, not because your child's going to die in the middle of the night. But right. like you're not making your brain's not making that connection. <laughs> and right. it's not all day long that I would have these thoughts, but enough to where I'm like, okay, now I have to pick up that piece of trash on the ground or my child's going to die in the middle of the night. And I have to. You have to, Liesl, do it right now. And it would just be a weird, like, why, why am I thinking that way? Um, yeah. And like I said, now that I'm on this medication, it's been a lot better. Everything is just kind of like back down a little bit and it's much, much better. But yeah, OCD is part of it too, for sure. <laughs> well, I think the other taboo, and I wonder if you can speak to this. Now I'm, now I'm interviewing you. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's kind of turned into a, a little different. How did that happen? I but, know. No, what, what I was going to say is that um, I I think part of the fear that so many people have about getting on medication is this fear that you'll lose your personality. Yes. And yes. when you talk about those emotions that are that were too heightened being blunted, yeah. I know there are people listening that are yeah. saying, ah, see, that's why I don't want to do it. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I, I, I flipped the, the script here for a minute and interviewed you because I, I can tell you still have your personality and I, I just want you to verify. Yes. <laughs> yes, I can verify that. And that, yeah. Tanya, also, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something that I was very afraid of because I've heard that from people, especially creators and people who do the th- kind of things that I do, whether it's, you know, a blogger or somebody who creates music or like something, something like to that effect. Um, I've heard people say that to where when I'm on medication, I feel like my brain, I can't, my highs aren't as high. And I was really afraid of that. And I, thus far, I've not had that experience. I'm still able to very much enjoy, you know, what I do, you know, and sit down and like, not have, like, I was worried that I was going to sit down and try to brainstorm out a post and just be like, I can't think of anything because I'm mundane, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I have not 
de- definitely have not experienced that. If anything, it's enhanced the way that I'm creating things and the way that my brain is able to process because I'm actually able to like process thing and just uh, everything is just a little bit better. <laughs> right. That, that's the side of the equation that people forget to think about yes. when they're worried about this. They, yes. they forget to think about, well, I'm going to get this huge benefit in the right. form of consistency, right. in the form of not having to hit my lowest low and then recover from that. Right. right? So there's right. all these other benefits, even if that statement were true, which for the most part, I'm not going to say nobody's ever said that is my experience. And I don't need yeah. to invalidate anyone who feels yeah. that they tried medication and had that experience. But yeah. trying the medication is what the point is and seeing where you fall. And if you don't like it, you don't have to stay on it. Absolutely. And there are a lot of different medications out there, like so many different types, so many different types in the same class and then different classes of drugs. I mean, there's like, there's so much. And I was really, really lucky that the very first medication that my provider gave me was good. It was a little bit too low of a dose. So we upped the dosage and we found like, from what I can tell a sweet spot, I'm hoping, you know, Mm -hmm. that I don't have to um, play with it again. And I've just, this is good now. (laughs) I can just kind of coast. Um, But yeah, that's definitely something people for people to realize too is that it can it can be like a huge process of trying a medication waiting for it to take effect okay this is giving me this weird side effect we need to change medication it is certain certainly can be a process absolutely have you heard about the genetic testing options that are out there though to help no. people better understand what medications will likely work or not work for them Um, Tell me all about this. This exists. And I'm going to blank on like the name of the test at this moment. So we'll have to like look it up and get it in the notes because I haven't thought of this in a while. It's like Mm -hmm. just coming up based on our conversation. But basically it's a cheek swab and you send it off. and And the fact is that we all have different abilities to metabolize drugs based on enzymes in our body, things like that. Um, And there are ways to streamline this process. I don't know the details about whether insurance has started covering this test, but it exists and it's a step in the right direction. So people who interface in their profession with pharmacology, so like psychopharmacologists are where you tend to learn more about this. Um, So anyway, that's just something I wanted to put out there as it's evolving probably rapidly. uh, Yeah. As That's a tool cool. to help with this process. We'll definitely, yeah, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. We'll find out wherever that is and put the link yep. to it. Cause I, yeah, I would be very interested to try that for myself. Well, what do you say we actually like start the episode now? I might sure. just leave this in here and then like, like <laughs> hey, this is how this, you know what this, sometimes this is how podcast episodes work and <laughs> we start talking about something and then we actually go to what the topic is supposed to be about. So Tanya, can you tell us about yourself? <laughs> Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You have kind of been on this podcast before, um, but you are kind of an important person in my life because we have worked with each other closely before. So can you just introduce yourself and tell us all about yourself? And yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm Tanya Tringali. I'm a certified nurse midwife. Um, I've been a midwife for 14 years. And before that, I was a labor and delivery nurse for about four. And before that, I was a doula for however many years adds up to I've been doing this for 21 years. <laughs> um, so my heart and soul has always been in maternal infant health. And my career has taken many twists and turns. Uh, Liesl and I first met when I was the program director over at Pebble, which I'm pretty sure some of your listeners are familiar with, and it was pretty beloved. Um, And Pebble is on a hiatus. The pandemic has been hard on a lot of companies, as everybody knows. Um, And, you know, I've always had my own business uh, on the side of Pebble. I originally came in as a consultant into Pebble, but I just fell in love with the founders of that company and found myself giving my entire heart and soul to that project. Uh, But back over in my own world, I've continued to provide postpartum support in the way that we created over at Pebble. Um, It's, it's, I can't walk away from that anymore because the pandemic 
put such a spotlight on the need for this. And also really, I already believed that there was a lot to do virtually because I was already doing it in my own business. But the pandemic showed me how much is possible. Like I think I didn't even know how much I could accomplish one-on-one with people this way. Um, And so, you know, sometimes I work with people who are wanting pregnancy, but have some health considerations going on. Maybe there's some infertility rolled into that. Um, But I look at it from a place of how can we get you healthy so you can have a better chance of pregnancy and a healthier pregnancy. I'm not going to by any means suggest that I replace reproductive endocrinologists or anything like that. But you know, when you go through a medical situation like that, you feel like a science project. I know many, many women who have felt that way. And I kind of pull back and look at the big picture. And it was really interesting when I started really focusing on postpartum, how much of what I was already doing with the overall health and wellness and nutrition and fitness really funneled right into postpartum care. Mm -hmm. Um, And the needs were really, really similar. And it was, it was quite a journey. And so anyway, my program has evolved quite a bit um, since Pebble closed because I keep learning about the needs of my clients and what it is that they really want from me. And I just I have to respond to that and make the changes. So I, I'm sure this program will look different a year from now than it does now. But right now, the biggest change is that we went from being a fourth trimester support program that started in pregnancy. So we could do some, some advanced planning. I say that in like air quotes because you know, the best laid plans, Uh, but that's, that's an important aspect of it. And then it just kind of ended at 12 weeks. And now I recognize the value of ongoing care. And many of my clients are sticking with it and sticking with me so they can focus on other aspects of their health and wellness as they make the longer transition through postpartum. And we will get right back into this episode after a quick break from this week's sponsor. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. And now let's get right back into this week's episode. I, I mean, I think as you were talking about extending the program and like how important that is. I think that's like almost best evidenced by look at different countries and how long their maternity leaves are. Okay. Like our maternity leave typically in the United States is about three months. If that, you know, if that, if that, sometimes it's much less. Sometimes it's like days, like you have to go back like the next week. It's awful. Um, but roughly, you know, it's usually about three months here. And for some people, I think that works fine for others. It doesn't work at all. I think for the majority of people, it's like you have, I remember having that poll certainly with my first one of like, I am not ready to go back to work. And like, I just, it's just, that's just a feeling I think that a lot of people resonate with if they, if you have to go back to work. Um, and then look at, you know, other countries who have, longer maternity cares. And it just makes sense that you would need more extended, like, help beyond three months. Like, it's not just three months. It's like you, we almost need to, we almost need to like, okay, it's important. Yes. Right after you have a baby, the newborn period is really, really hard. We need a whole lot of attention then. But like, it's, Rylan's seven months old. It's hard. It's still hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's real hard. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, I think some people come to this program with me in part because I have had a fair number of people who need to get back to work quickly. Because, well, say you're self-employed and you're running a business, or you're the head of a nonprofit, or whatever you are, like your absence is a huge problem in the system. Yeah. Um, so 
I've had people who need to get back to work quickly. And so that looks really different from somebody who maybe is ending their employment at the time that they go into labor and they're not planning to go back. And then everything in between from six weeks to eight weeks to 12 weeks maternity leave. But recently, it's funny, I have had, not funny, haha, but I've had a series of (laughs) people lately who I'm having the 12-week visit with. And it's been really, really hard, that moment where they are, they know like tomorrow's my first day of work. Um, And I've had some really hard visits at that point. And it's really hit home how this transition is too abrupt. Like, why can't we ease people in? Why can't we have some variability? I definitely have clients who have been ready, legitimately ready to go back to work sooner than they were told they had to. So they're going back early and saving that time should someone in the family get sick or a vacation or whatever. And then of course we could get into paternity leave, but you know, we just, we need some more flexibility in the system. It's not sustainable for mothers and families. No, absolutely. And I mean, I'm just thinking about my own experience with you and that last visit that we had or those last couple visits that we had where I'm talking about like, okay, you know, I'm starting. I I had a lot of anxiety about like having anxiety. That was my issue, if you remember. I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember having those feelings of, you know, my situation's a little bit weird and different because yeah, I was going back to the hospital at some point, but I was cat. I'm still casual there. Um, and with my mommy labor nurse stuff, I'm kind of easing back into it. And I was really afraid that like, once I got back to the hospital and I was full into mommy labor nurse stuff, it would just be too much. And it, you know, I was fine. Eventually, like we've talked about, I, I spiraled a few months later, but yeah, I I mean, even me, like, f- having those feelings of, like, I want to, I feel good, I want to get back to work, but still at three months being like, okay, it's not the exact same feelings that I had with Walter where I'm like, you know, I don't want to go back. I mean, I was like, I want to incorporate more stuff in my life, like, I'm feeling good. But yeah, it's still... It just having a baby like it does a lot to you, man. Like it just does a lot to you. And I think that it's a good this is a good transition into like why educating yourself about the postpartum period and like what that all entails is a really, really good conversation to have and a really, really good thing to do before you are postpartum. Yeah. And I I mean, we are seeing a huge shift. I can tell that more and more people, pregnant people, usually it doesn't happen until you're pregnant, more and more pregnant people are recognizing that postpartum is at least equally important to plan for and consider all the possibilities as is the pregnancy. Now, I have, I completely empathize with anyone who cannot conceptualize anything beyond seeing their baby's toes for the first time. I totally get it. You know, like that, that's hard to do, but more and more people are stepping up and saying, okay, I got to like hit a pause button on this, set some time aside and think about this. And that's why I want people to start the program prenatally. So that's a downside, if any, of the fact that I've gone to a monthly subscription program is there's no requirement to start while you're pregnant, but I really want people to start with a month. Yes. Yes. I'll take, I'll take care of anyone. I'll support anyone, whether they come to me the day before they're due or three days postpartum going, whoa, I just got hit by a bus. And now I know I need support. I'll take you in. But ideally, I want you for a month beforehand so that we can do all the thinking and all the planning, in part, because I do think there are some experiences that happen at the end of pregnancy, where I can teach really good skills when it comes to things like self advocacy, communication and relationships and all that stuff that translates to the early postpartum period. So we do a lot of work. And you remember, Brian came to those visits, and that was really great. There was so much planning. And it's obviously different when it's a second baby, because we can look at, well, what worked before? And what would you like to see different? How can we tweak that plan? That's really different than doing it for the first time. Um, But yeah, we need that. And then someone has their baby. And we don't know which subset of issues someone will have, right? So there are outliers where somebody has like the smoothest 
smoothest transition ever. And in those cases, I'm like, oh, did that person feel like they wasted their money on this program? And to be honest, no one has ever said they felt that way because there is always some aspect of your wellness that we can focus on. So if you have something traumatic or a difficult birth or you're having a lot of pain, obviously that's where our energy goes. But if you're not having those things, we're talking more about how do we get back to, I kind of hate that expression that I just said back to, because there's no going back. It's all new. But how do I get back to some semblance of who I want to be or figure out who my new self is, right? There's always wellness work to do. But anyway, I digress. What I mean to say is that in those first couple weeks, we have to deal head on with what you come in with. So that means, did you have a vaginal birth? Did you have a C-section? How extensive is your tear? How painful is your incision or your healing? Is there bruising? Is there swelling? Do I have severe engorgement? Is my baby an efficient nurser? How am I coping with baby blues? Am I sleeping? Am I eating? Am I drinking enough water? I mean, the list goes on and on, right? So you know as well as I do. That's why I'm in touch with people daily. Like even if I just kind of like niggle at you a little bit and ask a few questions, it opens the door for like, oh, I do have a few more thoughts, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. And that's another big piece of what happens when we transition from working together in pregnancy to postpartum. I feel I have a retraining to do of society in that most people don't think it's okay to bother their healthcare provider, right? They protect us, mm-hmm. even if they don't mean to. And so I have to tell people so many times, like, I want to hear from you every day if you have something to say. I want your random questions whenever they come up. Yeah. But it takes weeks for people to believe that I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I fell into that trap too. I remember you saying the same thing to me. Even though I'm a second time mom, it's like, okay, you can still text me about things. You know that, Lisa. <laughs> second time mom and a labor and delivery nurse, right? Yeah. So that's always so interesting. Second time moms and healthcare providers, and you hit both. So I remember yeah. like reaching out to you before you started the program to say, time out, this has nothing to do with the program. I need to know what it is you want and need yeah. because I needed to make sure that I didn't fall into the trap that healthcare providers can fall into, which is saying, ah, she knows all this stuff. Yes. It's not and fair. We went over that and we went over that a lot because I think that was really important too. Um, because I mean, I've felt that, uh, as a lot of healthcare providers have when you go to, luckily my, my PD, my pediatrician's great. Um, but I've definitely felt that, uh, going to other practices and them knowing that I am in healthcare and they, you just get talked to a little bit differently and it's usually okay. uh, But sometimes things get missed. And then I say, oh yeah, I didn't ask about that. Or like, oh yeah, I should have asked about this. Or, oh yeah, they didn't explain this. Or maybe I have Brian with me or somebody, you know, somebody with me or something and it doesn't get explained fully because I'm a healthcare provider. And then there's a disconnect with like the other person too. So yeah, I think that's really important to note. Um, I think it's also, I know something personally that helped not me personally, but Brian personally helped him a whole lot. And you touched on that a little bit um, with the, with the prepping beforehand, but that was something I think that really, really helped us is just having visits in prenatal care before having a baby. And you're telling him a lot of the things that like I already knew, but here's what to look for. Here's what to watch out for, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. So I think like partner care is also really, really important for postpartum prep. Absolutely. And I often forget to talk about how much I invest in partners in this program. And really what partners decide to take from it is completely in their court. But if a pregnant person gives me permission, explicit permission, I send the partner an intake and elicit their greatest concerns, fears, anxieties, so that I know what's going on with them. I ask how they de-stress all these things so that I can remind them in the early weeks the ways in which I want them to engage in self-care. Partners have my cell phone number so that they can text me also. Um, And they are welcome at every visit. But I've also had women buy this package and say, 
this is for me. This is like my wellness thing. Forget about him. He's going to hold the baby while I do this and take care of myself. And I don't care what people do. That's That's totally fine. Exactly. Um, So I've seen it all, but probably the most common rollout I see is partners coming to the prenatal visits and then maybe the first couple and then kind of getting out of the equation. And some of that has to do with parental leave and dads often go back to work right around two weeks. That's kind of the most common equation I see is two weeks later, dads are back at work. Um, So yeah, some of that's because of that. And some of that's because the topics become really like nitty gritty about your body, right? So like after we get out of those first couple of weeks where we're in the weeds with what happened at your birth and how you're recovering from your birth, we're really transitioning to what's happening with your core and pelvic floor and how are you feeling about re-engaging in your social life and things like sex and exercise, all the things, right? And at some point they feel a little disengaged because that becomes such a nitty gritty discussion of like, you know, breathing exercises and things like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, They're like, I don't need to sit in on this. Exactly. So I don't mind that they don't come to all of them. I have had some dads come to all of them, which is super cool because then they can kind of reinforce things. Um, But yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, before we continue to, cause I want you to explain like exactly how your program works and like how people can sign up and everything. Um, but I want you to touch on the sleep factor because I remember that being a really, really important thing that you told me. Uh, I think it was probably prenatal and postnatal to value sleep so much. Um, So I want to touch on that. And then maybe some other things that you see that just some like things that new moms, first time moms probably say that they were completely like unprepared for basically like, why is prepping for postpartum so, so important? (laughs) Because like this happens and this happens and this happens. (laughs) Yeah, well, obviously I could talk all day, but I've yeah. already picked a topic in my mind for where, where you're going with that. But the sleep thing first. So I think I take a particular approach to sleep in part because, again, I'm kind of, I don't know, I don't know whether I want to say, I don't mean to say training people. That's not what I mean to say. But I'm giving people insight into the way I think and the way I work so that things become applicable to other situations, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not black and white about anything, but I give wide parameters so people can find find themselves in that equation. Mm -hmm. The reason I focus on sleep so much is because there's such an overlap between the symptoms of sleep deprivation and worsening anxiety and depression. And the truth is more than half of the people who have taken part in this program have an underlying diagnosis of anxiety and depression. And when asked, they cite that as the primary reason for joining the program. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Knowledge is power because I have recently gone through all my statistics and my number was greater of people who report an underlying diagnosis coming into the program than who actually experience symptoms in the program. Of course, this is a little flawed because for example, you're a perfect example. Your symptoms did not come on while we were in the program. They came on after. So I'm not going to sit here and say that those people don't get it later, but during the time of the program, what it says to me is constant support keeps this at bay to some extent, if not potentially eliminates it. I'm definitely going to need to do some sort of long-term follow-up with the people who did this program and get a handle on what happened after. Um, But yeah, so sleep is so critical. And when somebody starts to make me feel like, "Mm, is this anxiety? Is this depression? What's happening here? I immediately reassess the sleep situation, which is why we make a sleep plan prenatally. And I'm not sitting here saying it's a plan that's in stone or concrete, but it's a strategy. And it's a strategy that's unique to your household based on your natural sleep rhythms, based on goals that are realistic for your life situation, right? So we do that. And then we're always checking in and I have notes on what kind of sleeper each of you were so I can remind you guys later where we were at and where you can, you know, find room to make improvements. So yeah, so that's why sleep is is a really critical element. And almost always in the early days, so let's say mm, the first month, give or take, 
if we can get a handle on sleep, the people who were starting to look a little anxious or depressed feel an immense improvement. Uh, yeah, I can't like back that up. So, I mean, it's like, that's like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about my own experience too with when I spiraled is like it, it did fall back a lot into sleep because mm-hmm. I was starting to stay up later and feel like I can't sleep. First of all, like just be so so like wired up that I can't like physically like turn my body off and like sleep and then also just not wanting to sleep for weird you know weird reasons and then like yeah my I still have a baby and I still get up in the middle of the night and I don't I'm such a control kind of freak with my baby I don't want my husband to like get you know I'm like I'll just do it I'll just do it and so it's then it's like looking like okay, I'm not really tracking the sleep and thinking about the sleep that I was in the beginning. Like, oh, wow, I am really focusing on like, let's try and aim for eight hours of sleep, even though that's not possible in the beginning. And I'm like, okay, I got, I got like six. This is great. Maybe it was like, not all together, but it, okay, great. But when I'm starting to spiral, that's like turning into thoughts of like, did I even sleep last night? Or like, did I even you know, have two, uh, two consecutive hours. And then it, then it, you can see where the two, it starts to really, really intersect. Yeah. Yeah, And that's why I'm kind of neurotic about sleep in the program, because look, even if you get eight hours of sleep, it is broken sleep and broken sleep feels pretty bad. Yeah. Right. Like eight hours of broken sleep is still terrible. And I don't know a new mom who's ever gotten eight hours of broken sleep. No. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. You know, like I set the goal at eight just to give you somewhere to aim high. And then I would congratulate you for getting six. And if you're not getting six, we work on strategies to see how can we fit some more time in. Right. Um, So anyway, yeah, that's how that works. So you said something that I found really interesting and that was, I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we talk about in this program that also starts prenatally and then gets reinforced over and over again is looking at relationships in a different light, right? Because we modern type A women, especially have very equal relationships, yeah. right? We are so proud to be equals in our relationship and postpartum just doesn't jive with that. And so we have to create some more flexibility in our lives. And when we can't bend, we are the ones who suffer. Yep. And I hear that in you still right now with, I'm just going to do that. We women have to figure out how to ask for help. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm perfect. I am far from it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's still, I mean, my husband and I get along great and we have a system where like, I know that I need to, I struggle with like asking him for help, but I know that Mm -hmm. I have to ask him for help with X, Y, Z, but it's still, yeah, it's just still, sometimes you're like, I'll just do it myself. Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) And that's why I encourage everybody to really get a handle on what equity means rather than equality, right? It's a concept that gets threaded through this entire program because it is essential. It's essential in our world, in our society, and in the nitty gritty of our families. Yeah. So that's another big one. Um, The, when you asked like, what is the thing people are least prepared for? Yeah. Aside from like going down the rabbit hole of pelvic floor disorders, which could be a whole other episode. Yeah. (laughs) So I won't do that. I just want to make mention of it. Um, I will say that the biggest surprise for people still to this day, even though people are getting a better handle on postpartum is just simply how one of my clients used this word and I've been using it ever since. My six week visit was so underwhelming, right? Like Uh, that was the nicest way I've ever heard it put. I've heard many other phrases that I won't use on your podcast, but um, underwhelming was my favorite. Um, and so what I do is I kind of bookend the six week visit, right? I try to do a four week visit and an eight week visit and they're very intentional visits, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. let's look at where the six week visit can be used in a positive way. Let's look at all the ways in which it, it falls short, all the ways in which you wouldn't even know it fell short if we didn't talk about all these things, right? Like the idea that your provider is assessing more than, than they are. 
right? That's the biggest problem is you think that they're doing some sort of magical exam that says, oh, you're all better. Yeah. 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 And there's just no truth to that whatsoever. Um, Understanding what skills an OB or a midwife has that are very, very different from the skills of a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I start unrolling all of that around four weeks when people are ready for that information. And again, some of that depends on where they're at in their own recovery. Um, And then after they have their six week visit, we often need to have a big debrief because that really starts to roll into how do I feel about sex and exercise and all that stuff? And how do I get back to that safely? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. And these are ongoing conversations and people are not ready for that. They just, they might like intellectually know it somewhere, but the experience is so different. It's kind of like, as best we can know what it's like to have a baby before we've ever done it. And then we've done it. We're like, whoa, okay. That was different than I thought. Postpartum's the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like it's not, I remember, I remember thinking that a whole lot with postpartum and that's how breastfeeding is too, that you just, you know, you can do as much education as I, I, we, I recommend that you do as much education as possible beforehand, but like there are some things that you're just not going to be prepared for and you can't learn how to pump before you actually pump, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's just, that's just, it is what it is. And, and to boot, you don't know what your baby's capabilities are, right? Right. We don't know the size of our baby's mouth. Yes, (laughs) exactly. We don't know how well they're going to suck. Are they efficient eaters? Are they not? Am I going to have an undersupply? Am I going to have an oversupply? Like there is tons that you can't prepare for, but there is a small bit of information that really does help if you know that stuff beforehand, Um, knowing what to expect. So anyway. Yeah. I love it. Well, Tanya, do you want to talk about anything else or can we just like, where can people like sign up for everything that you have? Yeah, (laughs) I know people after this episode, I mean, you know, I'm in love with you, but I know people after listening to this episode are in love with you and want to know where they can find you. Absolutely. Um, I can be found, I think easiest is on Instagram. Lord knows every time I hear somebody new that I'm interested in, I just type them right in so I don't lose track of it in case I don't remember anything else. So I am mother.wit, W-I-T, dot maternity. Mm -hmm. Um, My website is all one word, motherwitmaternity.com. So those are the two easiest ways to find me. I'm very responsive. I offer free consults to anyone considering joining my program because I think it's really important that you get your specific questions answered and that you make sure that we jive, right? Like I know not everyone jives with me. I'm not stupid. (laughs) So it's important that that you feel that we are um, on the same page and that I can help you with these things. Um, so yeah, so I think those are the two most important ways. Instagram, website, knowing that I have free consults and you can email me or message me on Instagram and I will respond in a timely manner. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tanya. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me. And I'm so glad we got to have this kind of update on your postpartum journey because you've actually made me realize that I need updates from a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, I know. It's like, it's, yeah, I, I often, um, side note, I often like when I take care of a patient, uh, at the hospital, I wish that there could be updates on more patients that I take care of because like I never, we never get to do that. So totally. yeah, it's cool that you ha- still have people's contacts and yeah, absolutely. Like if you can incorporate that somehow where you can check up on people, like mm-hmm. that's probably really, really beneficial. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing like year, year yeah. check-ins and get get some intel on how things have gone since the program. Yeah. And that will probably give you a lot of guidance too on Mm -hmm. if you need to change anything or if you need to update things on how things are going. Yeah. No, I think that's really, and I think that would, that would help certainly help a lot of people. Totally. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me and stay in touch. Okay. Yes. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All 
right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast, so I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week. This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so do the many cool things to do. Come keep cool with amazing pools and the hottest nights at the coolest spots in Texas. Go to visitsanantonio.com slash summer.